Welcome to Smegheads, the Red Dwarf podcast. My name is Jed Shepherd, And I'm Daniela Phillips. And uh, yeah, this is the first episode and um, we've decided to do um, Red, the Red Dwarf podcast, Smegheads, um, because of our general love for Red Dwarf. And it was originally going to be called Jed Dwarf. Um, I made the pun of it because my name's Jed. Obviously. Um, and uh, Danielle liked it. But then I just thought that would be a bit weird because my original plan was to have a dwarf co-host with me. Um, but Daniela is quite tall for a midget. Yeah, I'm five foot seven. So I don't think that qualifies me in the midget stage. It depends. If you're a basketball if you were the basketball playing midget, you yeah. mean? Yeah, no. That would be good. No. But like, um, and I was also contemplating, can you say midget or, d- or dwarf on, on, on a podcast? And of course you can. Yeah, I don't think we're going to be very politically correct in here. <laughs> well, because like Red Dwarf is full of ships called Blue Midget and uh, Star. Good knowledge. Yes, my, yeah. my knowledge. I am a bit obsessed. Well, not just a, a bit obsessed. I'm very obsessed with Red Dwarf. Um, as I said, I, in school I was called Jed Dwarf. And I would um, stay up late um, when I was seven and, and eight years old and watch Red Dwarf and be the talk of the town, well, of my, my school playground, uh, because no one else could watch it because they were, they were too little. My parents were very laissez-faire when it came to let me watch certain things. Yeah, mine too. That's good. Um, yeah, shout out to my parents. Hello, Danielle's parents. Um, <laughs> and yeah, I could just watch anything. So um, I tried to get my friends into it, but they all had bedtimes and, and kind of curfews and things like that. So I would have to kind of go into class and explain to, to my, one of my best friends at the time, Kickle Raphael. Um, he actually introduced me to, to Nightmare on Elm Street. Not the Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles. It wasn't him, no. Oh. I, did, I did go to school with him, but I wasn't in his class. But my other friend, Raphael, um, who was really happy that one of them was called, one of the turtles was called Raphael, by the way. Um, I had to explain to him every, I think it was on a Thursday night, I explained to him every Friday morning in class, I had to whisper to him, like, the entire synopsis of uh, the Red Dwarf episodes, which is kind of similar to what we're doing now, except for Raphael. I don't know where he is, I haven't seen him in, in years, he's probably dead. It's uh, taken a dark turn quite fast, this podcast. And he stole my Sword of Omens, Thundercat sword. Mm. Never forgiven him, so I do hope he yeah. has died. Well, I started watching it when my cousin lent me the uh, VHS tape. Which is the ultimate way to watch really? uh, Red Dwarf. Yeah, okay. it is. Um, especially now that the whole series, the whole 10 series or so, um, are on Netflix. And the differences, there are a few differences between the Netflix versions and the VHS oh, versions. really? Yeah, which we'll be, I'll be coming on to later because mm. I'm a bit pernickety like that. Um, a, a few annoying things, actually, with this new Netflix version. Oh, um, Netflix is never annoying. Blasphemous. I, no, I, I love Netflix. Um, I definitely love Netflix. Um, I want, like, a Netflix screen in my coffin when, when I die, just because I don't want to miss it. I've watched everything on Netflix now. Um, so I was, I was quite happy when, when Red Dwarf appeared one day and it kind of inspired me to do this podcast. I don't yeah. think I've uh, watched it since it was uh, first on and I've, I've completely forgotten everything. So it's, it's a good trip down memory lane and what we're watching it. Well, I did find myself being able to quote every single line of every single episode. Wow. Um, which I, I wouldn't say sad. I think it's a good thing. I, I, I think it is. Um, probably not as relevant in today's society. No, but I try and start conversations with people in the street about Red Dwarf and they're just not having it. In, well, we're in London. We're, we're a multicultural society where anything should go. I might go to Speaker's Corner, stand on the box and just quote Red Dwarf. Well, we're bringing it back with this podcast anyway. We are. And uh, for this first episode... Yeah, we're doing the first episode, which is called, rebelliously, it's called The End. The beginning is The End. Yes. And uh, as I said, when I was in school, I thought that was the, the best thing ever. I couldn't believe um, the BBC had the audacity to call something The End when the it was audacity. the first episode. When you're a little kid, little things like that impress you. And it was, it, it was some, it, I think that was one of the reasons why I kind of got, got my hooks into it. Um, just, just from the very, very start, the very first thing you see is the end. I don't tend to notice the uh, titles of episodes, everything. do you? It's yeah. only when I go on IMDb when I uh, want to look something up and I think, oh, yeah, I've got a title. See, like it, when, when this first came out, when IMDb wasn't around, um, I actually thought Red. This is going to sound like a like a joke now, but this is genuine. This is real. I thought Red Dwarf was real, <laughs> and I'll tell you why. Okay, then <laughs> I'll tell you why. The opening titles, the, the, the credits uh, at the start, it looks real. Like, it's, it's, on, it's filmed on film. It's not shot on video. It's shot on film, like 16 millimeter or something. And it looks beautiful to kind of pan out from like, yeah. what they're doing. 
beautiful. And then, and then, then he kind of goes to the episode and it looks like it was shot on a on an iPhone. So you think that they actually film this in space? Then? When I was little, I was like, the BBC, how do they do this? And also, I was a big sci-fi and horror fan. I knew what was real and what wasn't real. But I thought, this is this is on the BBC. You've got good documentaries on the BBC. So part of me was thinking, this is a this is a documentary about people living in space. It was it was uh, I was a, I was a bit of a sad child. <laughs> I got to admit. <laughs> so back onto the uh, episode. Yeah. So it's called the end, and it's just basically. If you, if you don't know what Red Dwarf is, um, and you've just stumbled upon this podcast by chance, um, just because you wanted to hear Daniela Hello. talk, um, then let me explain to you a little bit about what Red Dwarf is. It was written by Rob Grant and Doug Naylor in the, in the late 80s, and it is about a mining ship, a massive, miles-long, red, ugly mining ship in space, travelling towards, I guess, some, some planet to mine? Yeah, what Some, would they might be mining? See, uh, I have no idea, but it must have been something that isn't available on Earth at that time. Aliens? Mining for aliens, is that a thing? I, well, I guess so. You could pretty much mine for anything if you put you your could, mind to it. Yeah, people mine for like bitcoins and stuff, so maybe in the future you can mine for aliens. You could, there is that film Enemy Mine. About I've never aliens. heard of it. I've never seen Enemy Mine. I haven't. You need to watch that. I think okay. it's on Netflix. It's... um. Jed has of, Jed has officially watched everything on, on I Netflix. Have, yeah. yeah, it's brilliant. It's Dennis Quaid. He crash lands on this planet, um, and an alien ship has crash landed on the same planet, um, and they're enemies. Coincidence. Yeah, and they're enemies, and they learn to not become enemies and work together, even though they're mortal enemies, to survive on this kind of like this just planet that's kind of falling apart. And um, so it's a feel good uh, story. It's, then. it's awesome. Enemy mine is. Okay. It's brilliant. Um, I'll check so, it out. So, yeah, so Red Dwarf. So, th- this, this is the kind of situation. It's a situation comedy. It's a sitcom set in space. Our main protagonists are Dave Lister and Arnold Rimmer, who are the two worst people probably in the universe. So, this is what our, our kind of sitcom is um, centralized on. Everyone else is quite good at their job, really. Yeah, they're quite relatable characters, though. Yeah. Yeah, I, I do see a lot of myself in, in both of them, actually. In, in I, I see a lot of uh, them <laughs> in you as well, Jed, yeah. So who would you be? I, I would I would say sometimes I am a Lister type of character. Sometimes I'm a Rimmer type of anally retentive type of character at, at times. Um, who would you say you more lean towards? I'd say I'd probably cat. So I'm quite... That's, that's just the most obvious kind of like, oh, because he dresses nice and... No, I, I like actually, I wasn't going to say about the dress sets. I was going to say his, his flair. Okay, yeah. He's got, some, he's got some good moves. Yeah. We'll, we'll come on to his moves okay. in a bit. But yeah, that's, that's, that's the basic setup. So um, it starts off, the first episode starts off um, with... Um, kind of Lister and Rimmer just going about their menial menial jobs they're engineers technicians they're not engineers are they they're just like uh technicians looking after kind of food machines um chicken soup machines and and tending to them um and the first thing we see is um the relationship right at the start between Lister and Rimmer isn't great yeah they annoy each other a lot well Lister annoys uh Rimmer quite a lot exactly and um Rimmer's just trying to do his job, really, but he is, he's like one of those annoying bosses that kind of just micromanage you. But if you actually look at that episode, um, at that scene, like, Rimmer is actually doing all the work. He's actually doing the actual cleaning and the kind of, but like, um, if you notice, even though he's berating Lister, when he, when he asks for um, a um, 14B nozzle cleaner, when Lister hands it to him, um, and he goes, oh, this is the wrong one. He actually, in the end, ends up using the first one that Lister gave him because it was the right one. Yeah, because he doesn't know. He's a bit of a he job He's a blagger. Yeah. He's like that person that you work with that kind of, like, pretends that they know their stuff. I know. I'm that person. Are you that person? I am you that person. You're so Rimmer. I've just decided you're, you're yeah. Rimmer and I'm Lister. Yeah. Um, Let's hope we don't get shows. into arguments on this podcast. <laughs> Let's hope. Um... But yeah, so um, that's the kind of that's the, the normal day job. And I, what I've noticed about the scene also is, which I, which I hadn't noticed before, I don't know if, if this is a Netflix thing, is the ca- the audience laughter. Oh, I'm not going to call it canned laughter because it's not canned laughter. It's so loud and it sounds so really? fake. I don't. I actually didn't notice the audience laughter so much. You, you, you know, too I was too engrossed it. in the. I in was. Episode. I was. I was paying attention. But like, 
I mean, it, the, I mean, you've got things like The Office now that kind of does away with with kind of audience laughter. It's a bit, it's a bit of an old kind of eighties and nineties thing, but it was just a bit distracting. And then, then it, from that point on, I just kept on noticing the audience. Mm. Um, though I do want to be, we should go into the audience for the new series of of Red Dwarf yes. if we're not in it. Well, yeah. We so if anyone from the BBC is uh, listening, you know, send us some tickets. They uh, should be. Yeah. Send us some tickets and put us in one of the new episodes. I don't mind if you call it Jedworld. You can use my name. I don't mind. I don't mind if if Daniela is a is a. I can be the new love interest. For who though? Um, anyone. Brighton. You can give, you, I can see you as a, like a robot. Yeah. Because okay. he can't can't be listed as love interest because he's hung up on Kachansky. Yeah. Rim is a hologram, so you would maybe be a hologram as well. Mm. Um, and Kat kind of loves himself more than anyone else. Yeah. So it only really leaves Crichton, doesn't it? Yeah. Mm. Or or hot. No. I don't know. Um, but yeah, so you get the kind of the basics of their relationship right there. Um, and we see the first confrontation with authority when Todd Hunter appears um, and just says to Rimmer, why have you lodged a million complaints about Lister to him? Um, and it's the, this is where we get the first instance of the word smeghead. I noticed it was at five minutes and 35 seconds. Wrote I time. wrote that down. <laughs> the first smeghead. And I don't know. I should should really look into this. Is that the first instance of the word smeghead in popular culture? I know that I hadn't heard it before until Red Dwarf put it on the map. Yeah. So but maybe you did. I think so, because um, the company Smeg and Make the Fridges, I know they named it after Red Dwarf. No. Yeah, they did, yeah. No. Yeah, they did. <laughs> this is really cool. Um, I've always wanted a Smeg fridge. I want to get a Smeg fridge and put loads of like, red dwarf stickers on it. Um, but yeah, that was the first instance of um, uh, because Lister calls Rimmer a Smeg head for doing all these complaints, and and then Todd Hunter goes away with the words, "But you are a Smeg head, hmm. Rimmer," um, and he is a Smeg head. He's a bit uptight, yeah. Yeah. But then kind of as the course of the series and, 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 and the subsequent series goes on, we find out he, he's a smoker for like certain reasons that things that happened to him in the past. Um, he didn't really have a very good childhood. No, and he ta- I think he talks about that in the second episode. Mm, yeah, you get hints of it. Um, so Lister then uh, discusses his plan to retire. His, his, his long-term plan to retire to Fiji when he gets off Red Dwarf. So he's saving up his money. He's not buying socks and pants and stuff like that because um, he wants to retire with Kachansky in Fiji and uh, we're, and breed horses. He wants to breed horses. Uh, have a sheep and a cow as well. Yeah. Um, what would you... If you were on a mining ship, Daniela, and you had the ability to... You had the money saved from not buying socks and pants and things... Mm-hmm. Where would you retire to and what would you do? See, I've often thought about this question and okay. I think but I... Don't forget, w- the, the universe is your oyster because if if space travel is an option, you can go anywhere. Well, I'm scared of heights, so uh, space, <laughs> space travel doesn't really appeal to me so much. I like to keep my feet on the ground. Do you think that would affect, vertigo would affect you if you're on a spaceship in space? I think it would. I don't know, because... I'm like, I get really seasick. Zero gravity, my stomach. I can't even go on roller coasters. No, but there's, there's like um, artificial gravity. Okay. You don't see them fl- do you see them floating around Red Dwarf? Like, no, you don't actually. That's true. Um, yeah, I, I would go to like a random planet. That's what I would want to do. Would you? Yeah, because they, they seem to be popping off to other planets all the time. Well, they found Earth 2 uh, not that long ago, didn't they? Who's they? They. Scientists? <laughs> they did. Has, what? They found another Earth? You, 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 did you miss this news story? Earth, Earth 2? Was it uh, two weeks ago? What is this? <laughs> Have I just blown your mind? No, they found Europa, right? Well, not found Europa, they're always there, but they, they flew past Europa. What did it? What do you mean they found another Earth? Well, I, I can't remember. You just watched that film, Another Earth, on Netflix and just thought, hang on, this is That a wasn't documentary. a documentary. No, they, call, they called it Earth, Earth 2 because it was so similar the, to oh. Earth. So, uh, yeah. Where was that again? In the s- somewhere, space. <laughs> in, in space. In space. So what, what makes it so Earth-like? I didn't actually read very much about you it. You said, oh, they found another Earth. It's yeah. like it's and I just wondered if, there, if there were no spiders there and whether it would be a viable option. There's, there's going to be spiders everywhere. No. Yeah, if, if there's an Earth-like 
place it's going to have spiders mm. and but maybe there's dinosaurs which is pretty cool yeah anyway we deviate we we've deviated i yeah if i uh could go anywhere i would say if i saved all my money i think i would go to hawaii and breed llamas hawaii and breed llamas yep why Hawaii? Because they have a cheesecake factory there and it's hot. They have, <laughs> but they have a cheesecake factory all around America. I know. Um, in case you're, you're, you're listening to this in America, we're in London. Um, so things like cheesecake factories are kind of exotic to it's us. It's really exotic, yeah. yeah. But I hate cake, as you know. But, you so know, that's my worst nightmare. The cheese, cheesecake factory is so much more than cake. It just seems like the most depressing place ever. <sighs> It just seems like where people go to kind of just die and, no, no. and just smudge cake all over their faces um, and to like do pregnancy tests and toilets and stuff. Um, so um, then it, we go on to the next bit where um, Officer George McIntyre dies. So the captain announces uh, that George McIntyre's funeral is happening. Everyone uh, go and they seem to hold a funeral in the in the drive room, which is the control room. Um, which is a weird place to hold a funeral. It seems like that's one of the only rooms that they that the BBC could afford to build. So they're having everything there. So um, George McIntyre's funeral there, and this is the bit that deviates. So you're going to say something? Yeah, I was just going to say that um, they 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 play a song for for him. Yeah, this is what I mean. That deviates from from the VHS version. But ah, go on, you okay. Can say it. Well, the the version I watched, they played the song "See You Later, Alligator." Yes, which, which is, is actually sung by Danny John Jules. No way! Yeah, I did here not know is that. here is Cat. Wow, I didn't know he sang it. Yeah, did he really? He wow, did. Um, well, on Netflix, so you didn't watch it on Netflix. Yeah. Well, now on well, I watched. It. Maybe I've got US Netflix, but um, I've got all the Netflixes. But on my version of Netflix, um, it wasn't the song "See You Later" because that was the original version. But in my uh. in my version that I watched. It was um, that football song. Here we go. Here we go. Here oh, we go. Oh, maybe here yeah. Go. Maybe I didn't watch it on Netflix. Maybe I watched that one on YouTube or maybe. something. Yeah. Um, but yeah, that's, that really annoys me because, like, see you later, alligator. That was such a funny moment when it happened originally. Um, and for them to change it to something that just doesn't really make any sense. Um, Why do you think they did that? Copyright reasons? Copyright. They would probably have to pay. What Danny John Jules? No, but it was a, it was a cover, isn't it? <laughs> yeah, it yeah, it's a <laughs> <laughs> yeah. They had to like spoil the episode because Danny John Jules uh, wanted some money. Um, that blade blade two money's uh, dried up. Um, so yeah, so then it kind of goes on to the fact um, that they're making uh, George McIntyre into a hologram, and, and they have a, a welcome back party. And and George, this is where they introduce holograms, and one of the main. Um, tropes of red dwarf is the fact there are dead people that are brought back to life as holograms and with red dwarf red dwarf can only support one hologram at a time and whoever's the highest ranking person um and dies becomes a hologram so if you could pick one dead person to be a hologram who would you pick out of everyone who's anyone ever has ever died wow that is a very good question i would say just for the just for lols, Jesus. Just because I think Okay. I, I don't believe in all that stuff, but I think it would be funny if he was if he was back. Because he would get his own reality TV. Raised from the dead the second time. Yeah. Wow. Because they do say it in the Bible that he would come back. So I would make him come back and then follow him around with the camera and just have a reality show. Called Jed and Jesus. Jed and Jesus. Yes. That's my new. That's my next podcast. It's the next project. <laughs> me, me and Jesus just hanging out talking about uh, Star Trek or something. Um, but yeah, so so George, um, he thanks everyone for coming to his funeral, which is quite a cool thing. I think I might record a video of myself, and you can play that at my funeral. I I, I will be planning your funeral, will I? <laughs> you, you can tell me. I'll I'll give you a VHS tape of me saying stuff, and like at, at a good point during my funeral. Um, you can go, well, Jed had this, has this to say about you guys. And you can pop it in and a, on a big screen and then I'll just like slam everyone there. Nice, nice. Yeah. Okay. And I'll, I'll be like, you, you're an absolute snakehead because <laughs> you've done this. Um, and, then, and then the last thing I'll say, I've always wanted to do this and I re- will do this. Record a video um, with an elaborate um, treasure treasure map like built into it and like, all these clues and stuff and go okay i buried a million quid somewhere in london here's your first clue and 
make everyone, all my family and my friends, try and find this treasure. That sounds like so much fun. Yeah. Will, will, will you help me organise this? I will this help you, serious. Jed. I will help you. Good. Thank you, Daniela. Um, okay. So um, we see in that scene also with uh, George McIntyre, he says a few weird things. Um, I mean, it, it acts like a joke. He says, like, um, you're, now, now I'm dead. Like, your your wife is, your wives are safe. You know what I'm talking about. And points to one of his... Uh, officer friends and who laughs and then the officer's wife kind of slaps him like it's not a joke i just oh that was really weird because if george mcintyre had an affair with the wife why is the husband happy about it and the wife's angry about it there's a lot of complicated backstories we're not aware of i mean a lot of this doesn't make any sense whatsoever especially in the next episode feature echoes none of it makes sense (laughs) at all we'll come on to that when we do next episode um but yeah, that's uh, that kind of scene. There's a lot of things in this in this first episode. They pack in a lot of some of the tropes that you see later on. In, yeah, it's a lot packed in here. It's hardly any jokes. In fact, it's more just like a, a statement of, of of what's happening. Yeah, it's just uh, building a scene. And there's there's a lot of characters that I remember from watching this series the first time. Yeah. But I don't remember them being in the first episode when I watched it. Yeah. Do you know what? So, because they refer to quite a lot in, in subsequent episodes but you're not paying attention and all that yeah no, you're not and um you see them in flashbacks and stuff and they're not the greatest um characters in the world so it's no wonder that they're they haven't been fleshed out they're secondary characters exactly um so um yeah george mcintyre's welcome back party uh then we see rimmer taking the engineer's exam um or he yes. wants to take the engineer exam and what he's done is he's written all of the answers to the engineer's exam all over his arms and his legs and stuff um, because he's, he's, tried, he's attempted to pass his exam plenty of times and he's always failed because deep down, like in that previous scene with the, with the cleaning nozzles, he doesn't actually know how to do his job. He just gives off the air that he knows what he's talking about. But Again, someone I can relate to. Exactly. <laughs> Have, were you any good at exams? I was terrible exams. Really? Terrible. I'm not. I'm one of these people that that thrive under pressure, but not exam pressure. See, I'm the I'm the complete opposite. I don't like coursework at all. But in exams, I'm the best. And this leads me into for my English GCSEs. Everyone else did like Hamlet and different Shakespeare plays. I did Red Dwarf, Infinity Welcomes Careful Drivers. You can choose. Yep. I did Red Dwarf, Infinity, Welcomes Careful Drivers, and an X-Files book. Um, these were my two books, um, and I went on to do an English degree, so I must Solid. have done quite well. Solid choice. I know. But then I d- because like, you have your choice, you have your choice of like, um, various different kind of school books, but you can also pick two books of your choice. So Fantastic. Red Dwarf, Infinity, Welcomes Careful Drivers was the book I knew the, knew the best. So, and I knew that the examiners and no one else would have would have read it. So I could just I could have just said anything, but because because I also knew all the backstories to all of the characters when I was writing, I could go on and this leads into this and this is because of this. I knew the whole backstory without even have to having to read the book again. So, so. You, you have a lot to to thank Red Dwarf for then. Yes, it was it was so ingrained on uh, ingrained on my formative years. It's. Um, Kind of made me who I am, and I think a lot of the jokes I've ever told anyone is stolen from Red Dwarf. So not not original material. No, I've got no, no original material whatsoever. It's all Red Dwarf. So you will see over the course of doing this podcast, you will go, "Hang on, Jed said that to me the other day, and it was actually from Red Dwarf." I've got no original thoughts, people. Um, <laughs> um, okay, so what happens next? So Rimmer's taking the engineering exam. It's not going too well, um, and he smudges it. When he's pulling up his sleeve to kind of get all of the uh, answers, it smudges because his hands are all sweaty and stuff. And he panics and he gets the ink and he slams a big handprint on the paper like a complete and utter crazy person. Stands up, does his, the first time we see his funny salute and faints. Um, And uh, that's kind of a, that kind of encapsulates Rimmer in a nutshell, really. I think you feel sorry for him. Well, I do anyway. It's because you empathise with him. I do. Uh, I, 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 see, I'm not a fan of cheating, and I'm not a fan of of Rimmer really. I think it took a lot of it took a couple of series for me to be actually fond of Rimmer because I just did it take a couple of series for you to be fond of me then. 
<laughs> it will do. Yeah. Couple of seasons. At the moment, I, 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 at the moment, I hate you. But do you know, like, um, I watched this thing on YouTube um, just yesterday. Um, uh, Liston Rimmer, Craig Charles, and Chris Barry, they hated each other for the first two seasons. Really? Yeah, they were they were not friends. So some of this. So it's not acting then. It's not acting. Some <laughs> of this conflict that you see in these early seasons are actually real. Interesting. Um, I don't know what they what their thoughts on on Cat was really, but I think he's a very likable person yeah. in and out of character. So. Um, so yeah, so Rimmer messes up the engineering exam, which uh, everyone was ro- every everyone was rooting for him to fail. I, I feel besides Daniela, she yeah. was firmly Team Rimmer. I'm in the Rimmer camp. I, I'm totally in the Lister camp. Um, and um, meanwhile, uh, Lister is in his room um, and he's creeping around because he has secreted away a cat. Uh, a black cat um, called Frankenstein. Called Frankenstein, which is awesome. Which he is, uh, he feeds, and you're not allowed uh, animals in Red Dwarf. Why do you think you're not allowed animals in Red Dwarf? What, what would your reasoning be behind it? Oh gosh, I would. I'd let animals on my ship. Why? Why wouldn't you have animals? But in a later scene, it kind of the captain tells you why. We'll come on to that. But did you know that the scene where uh, Lister feeds Frankenstein is not the original scene they filmed? Why? What? Because, okay, this is news to me. Yeah, right. because the original scene they filmed where Lister is feeding Cat, um, they later found out by watching it that you can actually see Craig Charles's testicle. Can you really? You can. Wow. So they had to use an inferior take that they had... Uh, Wow. Had gotten, they should have yeah. kept that in. What, the testicle shot? would have been quite interesting. You think it would have yeah. added something to the storyline? Well, his line. character is a, bit, he's a bit of a slob and a kind of... He's the kind of guy that would let his testicles kind of like hang loose hang in out front of, there, a, yeah. of a, a nation of like 8 million viewers. Um, wow, I did not know that. So um, I don't think it was an inferior scene. I think that was that's a scene where he explained to uh, Frankenstein, or we, we find out for the first time that Frankenstein's actually pregnant which uh, leads up to the and evolution was, of the cats. How is Frankenstein impregnated? Well, he picks up Frankenstein from Titan. Yes. Um, so I'm guessing while he was on Titan. I oh, know he actually explains it later on in the episode. It was like a, a black um, tomcat that kind of impregnated um, Frankenstein on Titan. And so, yeah. So, like, Lister's plan is to have some kittens aboard and he's secreting away in the, in, in the laundry. Um, and while he's doing that, uh, so Rimmer's failed the exam, Lister's called to the captain's office, um, and which is just off the, the drive room. But first of all, he encounters the first time we see Kachansky, played by, played by Claire Grogan from Altered Images. Great band. Uh, do you know Altered Images? Never heard of them. I'm going to play a 10-second clip of them right now. What do you think? Interesting. <laughs> yeah. Um, so yeah, she was in a she was in a, in a great eighties band, and uh, I guess her career kind of dried up a little bit. So she must have been quite happy that she got to play um, Kristen Kachansky. But she doesn't have much of a role, does she? I mean, she the later series doesn't. she comes in. Yeah. I mean, in the spoiler. books, she's she has a little bit more of a meter on. You find out a little bit more about her. But at the moment, she's just a bit of an annoying kind of. Loves herself, officer. She's very annoying. I find her very irritating. She she's not as irritating as the Chloe Annette version of Kachansky in the, in the later seasons, I, who I find is almost unbearable. Really? Yeah. Um, <laughs> but um, Claire Grogan's Christine Kachansky. She, I mean, I, I don't like her as a character. I like Claire Grogan, but all she does is she kind of she's one of those kind of like flirt. So she's flirting with Lister, but at the same time pushing him away. Um, so Lister's asking ask oh, her. I hate females like that. <laughs> no comment. So Lister is asking her, oh, do you know, he knows full well. Where, where's the captain's uh, office? And she's like, it's over there where it's always been. And the captain's office is basically just a table against a wall on the other side of the of the room. It's not very glamorous, is it's it? It's not. I, then, I had a better office than that. Yeah. Well, you're in my office right, in, right now. Well, we're, we're recording this in uh, the post-pop offices, record label. Um, so we're surrounded by our arcade machines, tape decks, VHS cameras, tapes, Laura Palmer, um, tea towel, tea towel, a Ouija board, 
wine, vinyl, and just awesomeness, really. So it's, I think I've got a better office than um, Captain Hollister. What I did notice about this office is he's got a, um, a snow globe with um, Red Dwarf in it. Did you I see that? I didn't notice that, cool. no. I didn't notice. It's really weird. And it's the first time I've noticed it watching it recently. So he has like these coloured kind of bars across his um, his kind of officer's jacket where it looks like a... It, it looks like... Because I know that ticker tape where you kind of have the tape and you press the letters and it, and it prints out yes. letters. Yeah. That's like all different colours on it on his uniform. And I was like, what is that? Is that meant to be medals or kind of officer kind of like pips? Mm. And I noticed behind him is a row of coloured tape where it looks like the the guys who, who made his costume just left the tape behind him just so it's a bit, a bit of scenery. It's really weird. I didn't notice that. It's bizarro. Um, but yeah, so Lister's called there to, to see the captain um, and he's asking why. And why, if you were called to see the captain, were you, were you ever called to see the headmaster at school? Of course not, Chad. Really? No, I was wow. very good girl. See, I, I used to think that I was good, but in, in hindsight, I was called to the headmaster's office plenty of times originally in, in infant school i was called to, to the headmistress's office mrs hogg her name was completely not a bitch um so the first time was because i was apparently kicking someone um this is when i was maybe six or seven i was called because i was kicking someone and what, what the real thing was is someone kicked me under the table and i defended myself with my leg then i got called up to the headmistress mistress's office and had to wear a massive badge saying i am naughty i think we should rename this podcast uh jed's primary school days <laughs> actually there's a lot of revelations there's coming out revelations. today yes so when mum turned up to pick me up she's like what the hell's that badge with massive i am naughty on it um and also another time i got caught kicking apparently i was, like, I was never a kicker but apparently it was i had to wear aladdin shoes and um, they made me wear aladdin slippers with the kind of curls on the end awesome um, it was it was crazy. Um, uh, yeah. Well, we, we, can, we can learn about my school days at another time, of course. Um, so yes, yeah, so Lister's called up to Captain Hollister's office. He is pissed off, and um, Lister's like, well, why, "Why have you called me?" And he's like, "Lister, well, you've got a cat, haven't you? you, you where's your cat?" He's like, "I haven't got a cat." Um, and then Captain Hollister he reveals he has a picture of Lister with a cat. Um, and so Lister's like, well, in theory, if I did have a cat, what would you do to it? And Captain Hollister's like, well, we, we would uh, put it down. And um, you can either give up the cat or you can go into stasis um, for 18 months till we get back to Earth. What would you have done? Um, well, seeing as stasis seems to be instantaneous and you don't notice it yourself, that seems pretty sweet. And it's not much paid. of a punishment, is it? It's not. It doesn't make any sense. Because Captain Hollister says there can't be any animals aboard because a cat might get into the works and bite a wire and it'll be running backwards or whatever. But I don't understand how a cat can be so threatening to a massive billion-pound ship. It's like when you're on an airplane and they tell you to turn off your Kindle because it'll crash the plane. It doesn't make any sense. I always turn off my Kindle. I, I never turn off anything. They say, make sure you turn off your gadgets and stuff. Make sure you're leave never my, on a plane with Jed, everyone. I leave my phone on. I leave my Walkman on. I leave my uh, laptop on. See, I, I think this is our Lister and our Rimmer personalities <laughs> yeah, coming totally. out now. I, I'm, a, I'm a rule follower. I, I, ju- I don't believe it makes any difference whatsoever. The, the technology it must take to get a plane in the air and you and having, having your I, iPhone turned on on Twitter... Makes it makes the plane crash. It's not worth the risk. Tell you what, out of all the times that I've used electronics on a plane, the number of times it's crashed have only been uh, slim to none. So I, I think it's just a just a ruse, just to, to piss everyone off. Well, I'm not taking the risk. You, you're coming on a plane with me, and we're we're, never, p- we're playing never. Um, and uh, so, of course, um, Lister being t- like me, choosing the heroic option of going to stasis, which also means he gets out of doing any work. Um, that's pretty cool because like i'm guessing he would have to go there and just hang out and mine on a on a planet somewhere far and it seemed like hard manual labor but instead he's he's got to get out because he'll be paid for another 18 months instantaneously he's gone off his nose and also what's the point of him going into stasis because that's not going to help him find the cat they're going to be one man down aren't they one man down um which leads up to what happens later and also that cat's going to go 
go wandering because Lister isn't there feeding, feeding him. Mm. Presumably it'd be quite easy with all the technology on board to identify where the cat is Exactly. As well. And also, where's the first place they would look if they really wanted to find the cat? So it's a, it's a lose-lose situation. Well, I, I just don't understand. I don't understand. This. I know the Doug, um, Rob Grant and Doug Nina had to have a reason for the cat to be aboard and kind of hidden away. But I just don't think that makes any sense. Um, so Lister chooses stasis and he goes into stasis and we see him enter freeze frame and we see him leave and then what happens Daniela? cut forward three million years later three million years later to my little mind that was that was crazy i couldn't comprehend it i could barely contemplate a thousand never mind three million yeah it's a long time and in that time obviously Everyone had died, but everyone had died previously because what had happened is um, soon after Lister went into stasis, there was a problem with the drive plate, which is just a something that helps the, the ship go, I guess. And um, for some reason, one of the lowest ranking people on there, Rimmer, was given the task to fix it. And because he didn't have Lister there, um, the drive plate broke and killed everyone a cadmium two leak apparently killed everyone there's a few things that went wrong why did they give that job to rimmer if he's so bad if he can't pass his engineer's exam what's he doing going anywhere near a drive plate presumably they had quite a few engineers on board that ship yeah exactly so why did they get rimmer to do it Mm. again you had to give you had to make it rimmer's fault just for the Maybe he was the closest to the plate at the time and it was a time-critical job. Could be, but I just don't think it kind of fits well. This whole episode is full of kind of inconsistencies, I find. I love Red Dwarf a lot, but you will find myself and Daniela pulling out a few... You you love me a lot? uh... (laughs) No, we will pull out things that we found wrong with with, uh, the episode. There's a lot of things right with Red Dwarf um, because it kind of moulded me into the person I am today. But there are a few things that just don't make any sense whatsoever um so lister gets out of stasis and uh he asks holly what's happened to the crew and then there's that whole long speech about where's this person they're dead yeah and where's this person they're dead and where's this person they're dead <laughs> and he responds are you telling me everyone's dead they're dead Exactly. So everyone's everyone's dead, and he goes into the dry. It's three. They would have been dead anyway because it's three million years later. I, I reckon my boyfriend could sleep three million years three without stasis. Years. Yeah, yeah. I reckon he could do it without stasis. Yeah, I reckon he could survive. do it. If, yeah, if anyone could do it, he could. So if you and Nick were on Red Dwarf and you were in stasis for three million years because you wouldn't give up an otter, mm. um, you like out. like this is a likely scenario for this anyone is, who knows me. This is a genuine. This, this actually happened. Um, you would get out and Nick would just be there being looking at his watch going, you took your time. Yeah, he'd, he'd just be waking up. <laughs> yeah. uh, Did I miss anything? Yeah, rubbing his eyes, you know, <laughs> getting ready for breakfast. <laughs> so um, Lister goes up to the um, to the um, control room the um, and he notices, oh, as he's been going along, he's been like putting this, this white powder that he sees everywhere in his mouth to taste it, which is something that no one would really, not even a slobby person like Lister. There's, there's no good white powder out there, is there? No. no. Nothing you put in your mouth that is white powder is going to be good for it's you. It's not going to be good for you at all, especially when you found it's three million years later. So he, he goes and sits down in the, in the drive room and he picks up, sits down one of the kind of the main chairs, picks up some, <laughs> and Daniel has just uh, smashed some wine against yeah, the uh, mic. <laughs> And he, he tastes some of this white powder and he, and he asks, what's this white powder hole? And Holly replies, it's catering officer Peterson. And He's eating people. He's eating people. So it's a Soylent Green situation here. But then again, this is one of the things that kind of gets me. What was catering officer Peterson doing in the drive room, sitting down, con- controlling the ship? Maybe he was just bringing some food up and he just happened to be located there. And that's where the dust fell. But he the dust is on the actual counter. So at the time of the cad, cadmium, cadmium, cadmium two leak, he must have been up on the on the desk. Maybe he was doing some entertaining while he was mm, up there. That's probably why. So he was up on that desk, tap dancing, 
and eating at the same time. It just doesn't make any sense why he was there. So, again, they just had to have that in the plot. So I think you're scrutinising this a bit too sure, because much. Because I've, I've lived with this for years. Go so. with it. Go with it. <laughs> so, of course, Rimmer is, uh, Rimmer's remains are in the uh, drive room too, right next to Captain Hollister. Uh, which again kind of kind of makes sense because it was his fault that the drive plate bro- um, wasn't fixed in time. Um, and then Holly reveals that Rimmer has been brought back as a hologram. <gasps> exactly. Um, I guess. I guess no one. As soon as they saw um, George brought back in the in an earlier scene, they knew what was going to happen later on. And Rimmer would be brought back. I didn't know when I was watching it. Really? No. I think that was quite obvious. It was all leading to that point. But Rimmer, um, the most annoying person in Dave's life, has been brought back. Can we find out later on the reason why he brought him back was because he's the person that Lister was closest to. So therefore, the person that could keep him sane for the time it took to get back to Earth. Oh, that's nice. Yeah. So, so obviously Lister asked, why didn't you bring back Kachansky? Yeah. Um, who, who would be the, uh, if Holly was to bring back uh, your closest person to keep you sane, who who would they bring back? But would they have to be dead? No, no, just anyone. <laughs> would, would I have to be like friends with him? I, I think so, yeah. I can't think of a single person that I would um, bring back. No. Who do you think I should bring back? Uh, me? No, that, that okay, wouldn't work out. I'd have to uh... put up with you for like three million years or something. I'll go straight back into stasis and be, I don't care when I leave. Um, and so, yeah, so Rimmer's back and he's uh, quite happy to be back, happy to be chosen. Um, he's not one of the most senior ranking officers, so that, again, they've contradicted himself. But like I said, he's the person that can most keep Lister sane in this world of insanity that I he's guess, walked into. I guess seniority doesn't really matter when there's only one person on board. That's true. But then again, is there only one person on board? One person as in human. That's true. Because soon after that, we see the first appearance of Cat. He comes climbing out of a vent. Yep. And this is uh, Danny John Jules, who plays Cat, who was formerly, before this, he was a dancer. I think he's been in one thing before. And I'd seen him in... Um, in the film uh, with Rick Moranis, in fact, your <gasps> mate Rick Moranis. My good friend Rick Moranis. Um, he was in uh, Little Shop of Horrors briefly as a dancer in the street singing a doo wop song. Amazing, I uh, didn't know that. Oh, I did good. not know that. He's just singing at a bus stop in the Shadow, uh, that song. Um, when he first, you know, the one where there's a flashback yep. and, he, and he gets Audrey too. Um, so, yeah, so the first appearance of Cat and Cat's kind of talking to himself. He's quite. There's kind of a bit of a soliloquy with him in, in his shadow. He talks about how nice he looks and he's wearing a pink suit. So it was good that even He's looking fly. He's looking fly. He's looking nice. Um, in the future, though Cat is kind of shown as someone who's quite irresponsible, quite narcissistic, he seems to be really good at like making clothes and sewing things. I have a question Go around Cat. How does he become human? <laughs> What happens in three million years that turns a cat into a human? Well, it's the, it, the same can be said of of humans. What turn us from fishes into, or molecules and, and chemicals into humans? Three million years is quite a lot of time. Quite enough time for any animal to turn into anything, really. We evolved from apes, they've evolved from cats. As Holly explains uh, soon after that. Um, so what happened to all the other cats? Yeah, that's in a later episode you find out. Because ah. because you notice, Lister asked that question of Cat, well, but well, Cat's too busy eating Frosties. It's like, good Frosties! <laughs> <laughs> Worst. <laughs> good Worst impression. impression ever. Good impression. No, actually, Rimmer, who's known for um, Chris Barry, who was on Spit and Image, like, he's amazing at impressions, but Rimmer, Chris Barry can't do a Scouse accent properly, I find, because he, he imitates Rimmer, um, Lister quite a lot in this episode, but he, I think he's got a useless Scouse accent. Can you do a Scouse accent? Of course I can. It's <laughs> <laughs> very good. Thanks very much. Um, so yeah, so Lister asked the question of Cat, where where are all the other cats gone? And um, and Cat's too busy eating frost, so we don't find out in this episode, but we will find out in a couple of episodes' I can't time. Wait. Um, what's happened? We will return to this topic. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So for now, there's three people left um, in the universe, as far as we know. There's the hologram Arnold Rimmer. There is the last human alive, 
Lister. Well, we don't know what's happened back on Earth, do we? That's true, but it's three million years away. So all the cats are now animals, and uh, not necessarily because they not people. So all the cats are now people. No, because they could. That is a separate. They, they could, that could have taken their own evolutionary course. They could be like half giraffe and half yeti people walking around. Mm. Um, or the Earth could be blown up, like like Rimmer says. Like they, there might not be an Earth anymore. Um, so so who knows? What do you think would happen in three million years' time? Can it project right now? And in three million t- years' time, they'll replay this podcast and we'll see which ones we've got right. Okay. So, so what do you think uh, will happen in three million years' time? What will happen? I Technology, th- everything. I think uh, we would still we would still have iPhones. Yeah, it'll be on to like iPhone eleven by then. Eleven, yeah, yeah. P- probably. And what would the new features of the, of the new iPhone be? I honestly don't know. I think they'd get bigger because first of all, they'll be getting so smaller. So they'd be the size of size of my head. They'll be like the size of a mountain. Okay, okay. I think um, they'll still crash all the time, and um, and uh, you'll have to update things all the time but um yeah i also think um there'll be a lot more interaction between humans and animals so i think like we've seen with the cat evolving there'll be other animal life forms evolving into humanoid things mm. and i think so besides like it, today's multicultural society we have all different uh, people all around the world breeding with each other um, breeding breeding with each other um you'll have that with the animal kingdom as well, I find. And in three Are million you talking years, about bestiality here, yeah, Jed? But in three million three million years' time, that'll be normal. I do not think bestiality will be ever acceptable. That might be a controversial statement, but uh, I think in three million I don't times. Think so. I think I think I think in three million years' time that'll be a normal thing. We heard it here first. <laughs> yeah. Jed Shepherd thinks bestiality will one day be normal. Yeah, and that that day could be next week. It, it may be three million years. It may be next week. Who knows? Well, we'll talk about it again on, on another podcast. <laughs> on our weekly uh, bestiality <laughs> segment. Um, but, um, yeah, so th- this is the thing about this episode. Hardly anything happens. Um, it's more about introducing characters, getting a bit of background, setting up the scenario. Exactly. And this is the first... Much like this podcast. Yeah. But this is the thing. It does set up the kind of progress of what's going to happen. They're, they're right at the very end of the episode, um, they say, what are we going to do now? And actually, actually, you find out that the cat and all of his ancestors have a whole like, religion based around Frankenstein and cloister the stupid which is lister the stupid um so a bit like um today's religions it's based it's like chinese whispers like a, along the years the information's got muddied and uh, they think lister is um a, a deity God. yeah um so that inspires lister and he decides he's going to go to earth go, go to finalize the plan and go to fiji and, and breed horses um, and the, end, the episode ends with him saying, the slime's coming home. That's another wo- really bad impression. I'll try it again. <laughs> the slime's coming home. Is that better? That's very good. Well done. The slime's coming home. I'm really good at impressions. I should be, I could be, I could be Lester in the new Red Dwarf. Um, so that's the end of the episode. Um, that's the end of the first episode. And right at the end, they, again, warped my little mind by ending it with the words, the beginning. And I was like... It's a nice touch. I don't know what's up and what's down anymore. What is real and what isn't real. Everything's uh, backward. Exactly. Yeah. But it's an, it's an okay episode. It's not the best uh, Red Dwarf episode. Not a lot happens. Not by a long shot. It's one of the one of the worst Red Dwarf episodes because there are so many good ones coming there, up. There are. But I guess you have to have this episode to sort of leap to the other ones. Yeah, you do need the background. I think some of season two is great. But really, season three to season six is what makes Red Dwarf to to me. The the writing in those episodes are amazing. The kind of concepts they come up with is amazing. Season one, there's... I mean, I I guess they're trying to still introduce these characters and the main concepts. They they probably didn't know they would get a second season. I guess it's difficult to go too crazy as well because you you want to be mainstream and pick pick up viewers to to make sure there are other series are made. This was weirdly mainstream. Like, for a small sci-fi show, with quite a lot of heavy sci-fi in it, like the second episode, which we'll come on to next week, Future Echoes, 
that is hard sci-fi. It's just a lot of sci-fi concepts. This episode is more like a sitcom, I guess. Yeah, and then we, we hit the quantum physics. Exactly. There's a lot of quantum physics in, in, in the second episode. Um, Luckily, I am an expert to talk you through it. I'm glad you're an expert in quantum physics because I am just... I'm, I'm pretty good at quantum physics, to be honest. I learned everything from Doc Brown. <laughs> so, um, so there we go. That's uh, the first episode of Red Dwarf. Is there any kind of things you wish to... Anything interesting... Um, any more you want to say on this episode, Daniel? Well, no. I mentioned the testicles, and I think that was the <laughs> that was the peak of my interest. As long as you get testicles into every single oh, episode of this podcast, I'll try and come up with a, a weekly testicle fact. Maybe, maybe in every episode, there's a, there's, a, there's a kind of a, a testicle scene. Maybe Craig Charles just like to get his testicles out. He does. He's got in trouble with um, oh, oh, the media before, hasn't he? <laughs> um, but not for any testicular. Jollity. Um, <laughs> but it's okay because he's. Um, Maybe you should edit that out. <laughs> yeah. He's been given. Um, he's, he's quit um, Coronation Street to film the new season of Red Dwarf, which I'm so happy. Because seeing. I don't watch Coronation Street, but seeing it. Does him, anyone? A lot of people do. Yeah, I think it's the most popular TV show. Yeah, my, so. my mum watches it. It's a mum, it's a mum show. Um, but there is. Um, it never. I never watched it, but every now and again I'm like, oh, what's Craig Charles doing in this show? He's ruining, he's ruining my life being in this show. Yeah, he's too, he's too good for that show. Exactly. So I'm glad he's quitting it and concentrating his time on Red Dwarf. He's also got a really good um, radio show. Yes, I knew that. Yeah, so um, that's going well. Um, and I've seen him recently. He looks really good. Cause he's there was a time, aged really well. Yeah, there was a time when he looked a bit shaky and I thought, oh, I'm a bit worried about him. He looks great now. He, lo- he looks super cool. Good for him. Exactly. Um, so yeah, so that was our first episode. I hope you like it. Um, we will... Um, We'll fine-tune some of these uh, bits um, in the later episodes, but um, at least you got the gist of uh, what we're trying to do. Um, and if you have any comments, I'm sure when we upload it to iTunes and that, um, you can tell your comments there. And, yeah, uh, you can follow us on Twitter as well. Twitter. What are you on Twitter? I'm at Daniela with one L Phillips. Is there no moniker in it? No. Daniela with one L Phillips, and I'm at Jed Shepherd. J-E-D-S-H-E-P-H-E-R-D. That's Jed Shepherd. Um, and you can s- check out my record label, postpoprecords.com, if you want to. You've released some cool stuff. Um, I've got some films. Do you know about my films that are coming out? I don't, Jed. Tell me more. When is this podcast coming out? Uh, well, actually, I just don't know. well, we've been chosen for some big film festivals for my film Absence. No, Paul McGann? Yes. I'll tell you off podcast about that because I don't think I'm going to have to say anything yet, but some really cool ones. Sounds exciting. Yeah, The Secret as well. Um, and uh, yeah, so thank you very much for listening. Uh, hope to see you next week. Don't forget to subscribe. As soon as you hear this, press subscribe so you can hear our musings later on. Yeah, hear my lovely voice. <laughs> exactly. And more testicle news. Yeah. <laughs> see you next week. Bye. Bye.